Welcome to another episode of the Women Matter podcast. My name is Felicia Tavijane and I am going to be your host today. In today's episode, I chat to Shay Stone, who is an author, life coach and the founder of Be Better Than You. I'll tell you a little bit about Women Matter. Um, Like I said, we are a movement that was started as you know sort of a response to the bad stats of gender-based violence here in south africa um when we started the movement last year we organized a whole lot of marches but we decided you know what marches aren't always going to you know get the the message out there and we need to do something more about it so we've developed the movement into something else we're trying to be more um vocal on social media we obviously have started this podcast as well you know as a method of communication and awareness we're also working on possibly getting into the school curriculum here this side where we're trying to teach anti-bullying and anti-violence campaigns within the schools but that's something we're only going to look in possibly next year because we also have this pandemic happening as well so that's sort of just like a background on you know what women matter is and what we do and we've just been trying to talk to you know different individuals about different perspectives on what's happening around the world and in South Africa especially um, on gender-based violence, the response, um, things like healing, rehabilitation for both victims and perpetrators. And I did say to you in um, my mail to you that we'd like to speak to you, or I'd like to speak to you rather on, you know, the psychology of perpetrators, because I don't think we speak about it enough um, in general. We don't speak about what happens to the perpetrators even after they've maybe been arrested, if they do get arrested, you know. So I just wanted to pick your mind um, on that. Uh, but I think firstly, please do tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from. I was very shocked to find out that you are 10 hours away. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, yeah, for sure. I, I, I was shocked as well. I actually thought you guys were, were here in the States. So when you mentioned South Africa, I was like, oh, that's that took me for quite a, quite a turn. But uh you know yeah no so for me uh of course you know my name is shay and honestly i spent my whole whole entire adult life being a professional animator so i've animated on you know feature films and tv and games and stuff like that and that's what i've done for most of my career but uh lately the past couple of years i've just been having I've just had a push, right, uh, until into something else because, I mean, I've always wanted to be an animator since I was a, since I was a child. But getting older, it's like, okay, you do that and you grow and you start to understand uh, what's happening in the world more. So you have a level of introspection where you're like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be doing something else right now. And I think my calling now is to help people uh, on on an intellectual level, uh, which is what I'm trying to do now. And we're at the base camp with uh, Be Better Than You, which is what I'm starting Instagram with at this point. Uh, and and becoming a life coach and an author in the meantime. <laughs> so, um, wow, author in the meantime. <laughs> in the meantime, right? Exactly. Um, well, I mean, it's it's different for me because I, I've never, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a labeled a, a writer. I, I never have been before, but just because of uh, how I grew up, you know, being very observant and um, uh, detail oriented. Uh, thanks to my parents, mm-hmm. I've started to um, recognize a lot getting older, and then becoming an animator only just expanded everything that I already was. So uh, be better than you and being a life coach is, is really just me sharing my life's work and, you know, things that I've studied mm-hmm. naturally uh, forever. And uh, so, yeah, 
that's 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 pretty much the the gist of it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about this journey because I, especially in the time we are now, where everyone's kind of living in scarcity, you know, and people don't really know mm -hmm. what to do. They don't want to be in this situation again, um, and they need mm -hmm. to understand how to become the leader of the leaders of their their own lives, um, you know, so they never have to face this kind of uh, mental uh stress again right and i believe be better than you will offer a lot of value and serve our society our society greatly uh moving forward at least that's what we're trying to accomplish is to create a community of intellectuals that can handle their own sure that sounds really interesting especially the transition that you're making from an animator all the way to a life coach that's, that's a very big right. jump how are you adapting right no for sure and you know what's so funny because uh, you know when i when i mentioned you know life coach author or uh philanthropist or whatever you want to call it and then you say oh well, you're, you're also an animator it, it, it kind of seems like it throws people off kilter a little bit right because they're like oh animation like why are you even mentioning that in the same breath and honestly I think it's it's actually highly important that that I'm an animator and because uh, to be an animator, especially in feature films, which feature films is like the most anal process ever because we're so detailed, right? Uh, but being an animator in general, you have to understand, you know, a deep level of psychology. You have to understand anatomy. You have to understand um, how to interpret situations, right? And um, and and it, so so when it comes to body language, you have to understand that as well. Uh, so I think being an animator, uh, like I said, just only extends self development and you know personal uh, personal introspection and things like that. Uh, and it, so it's a big deal that I've done that my entire life. So it helps me with life coaching and and uh, helping other people would be better than you as well. Well, that's really great. Well, I'm I'm glad that it hasn't been such a drastic jump where you're feeling sort of you know off balance i'm I'm glad actually what you've been doing has even tied in with what you're doing right now that's right. incredible no firstly congratulations on you know the transition that you're making and as well as for starting something that's going to help people you know i i right. i'm really I, i'm really passionate about organizations and people who always think about the impact that they have on others you know no matter how right. big or small the impact might be oh my god it's so it's mm. it's so important to me and it always has been you know um you have my mom used to always uh tell me that you have you have to mm. live for others you know and uh, people are watching you and they're not gonna they're not gonna always tell mm -hmm. you they are but you know they are and you could be inspiring somebody and you should always live and carry yourself in that mm -hmm. manner so uh it's, it's always been very important to me definitely definitely all right, no, thank you so much for telling me about yourself. I'm going to dive right into our topic, um, which is, I think, a little bit sensitive because, like I said, people generally shy away from it. But, you know, I, I want us to obviously cover a different perspective of it. And that's mainly, like I said, rehabilitation for not just victims, but, you know, perpetrators of violence, specifically gender-based violence. I know I can't ask you specifically on a South African context, but I want to obviously take it on a global scale so that you can, you know, give your thoughts on as well what's happening in the States and just what, to, what are your thoughts in general. So I think the first uh, point that I want to talk to you about is what do you think about how gender-based violence is being addressed globally? Do you think enough is being done or not? And what what do you think should be getting done right um <clears throat> well that's tough because my my question is is that even being addressed you know um honestly in my in my experience uh officials or you know leaders of countries and provinces and places like uh different places i haven't really done anything but create a subversion or a mockery out of gender-based scenarios uh in my opinion 
you know, um, I feel like, you know, you see these kind of things all the time and, and, and it's, it's an issue with black lives as well. I think they go hand in hand in some degree as far as how things are being handled. Um, but, you know, say for instance, just as a, as far as creating subversions and mockeries out of it, uh, I would say like, you know, if somebody comes out and they're like, Hey, you know, I, I was raped or I was attacked by a man, you know, and it, and it becomes a public thing, you know, we make it, we make it public, you know, we, we have a, a strong, we, you know, we, announce a strong statement and you know it's on the news and it's like oh we don't we don't agree with this this is wrong this is wrong you know and then literally what's on the what's on the news the next day or what's what's in the public the next day it's a woman dressing provocatively at a club or at a uh you know boyfriend's house or a commercial or something like that where i feel like it pretty much it, it's it's like it's it's virtue signaling you know in 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 one instance and it's just a slick a slick sly way of insinuating that women do it to themselves you know it's this it's, it's kind of the same with like i said black lives where it's like oh you know we have this police brutality or whites versus blacks uh when it comes to cops killing uh and then the next day you hear somebody say well you know black people kill black people too and it's like it's so dismissive and and when we when we backhand situations like that it just it, it makes the world not take it seriously um even more so because they're already not even that they don't take it seriously like you said it's there's just this veil of silence right when it comes to situations like these and uh they're treated very privately and when you do and are, are like i said are there make people make a mockery out of it so when you when you backhand it like that with the media and stuff like that then it, it just it just kind of you know proves their point you know this is like this is why we don't do this this is why we don't react this is why we don't respond this is why we don't um help right because this is what we've been programmed to do so i don't know i guess i guess that's that's just my opinion though i, I just don't really feel yeah. society or especially like you know officials and leaders of this world have no interest in civil matters like that until until it hits home right yeah i think in a south african context you even find that a lot of these um cases are, go are going about you know unreported as well mm. there's also a very big thing where i keep saying that our stats are very skewed as much as we we unfortunately are the femicide capital and you know our rates are absolutely ridiculous you also think but how many people uh or how many women especially are going unnoticed mm. you know are, are, are disappearing and we'll never see or hear of them right and you know or what is how many people are getting raped and not reporting it because right. we have an issue of we have more unreported cases than we do actually reported cases oh yeah for sure and that obviously then just speaks on how bad you know the justice system is and like you're right the fact that our state our government no no, no one is doing enough about it oh, yeah, they, no. they talk about it in the media fine and say okay we need to do better we need to change but right what is actually being done to change yeah right so i completely, i completely agree and i and I, it, it's it's really disappointing that you know there's not even a a country that i can pinpoint and say this is a prime example of a place that's taking care of the woman right you know and i think it, i think it's really it's it's really tough too because you know it's like you say like officials and and, and people like that it's like they this this I'm not going to get off topic, but this, this, everything we do is, it's all profit, right? And I say we, I just mean the world, right? It, 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 we're always looking about how we can make a profit. And, and unfortunately, these types of scenarios are where we get a lot of that as well, right? Because it's, it's much easier for, I mean, just think about it. Uh, it's, it's easier for 
women are victims of gender-based violence. Um, and like I said, I, I think Black Lives uh, coincides with that. Uh, it's easier for the victims to rehabilitate themselves, right? Go, go seek attention, go seek therapy, uh, go on a trip or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do, spend money, right? Uh, we have, we invest more interest in, you know, gaining profit from that more so than investing our money into that as far as rehabilitating the perpetrators, right? Hmm. Uh, so it, instead it's like, okay, well, if we just allow these people to take care of the matters themselves, let them go protest, let them go, you know, do all these, do hmm. all the things that they need to do. That's fine. We'll, we'll just sit here and we'll collect, because all that takes money, right? It, it, that, it not only takes okay. energy, it takes a lot of money too. Yeah. So if we focus our attention on investing in the perpetrators uh, more so than the victims uh, addressing themselves, you know, it, it's going to cost us, a ton of money, millions yeah. of military money, right? No, that's true. That's true. And um, I, uh, speaking on perpetrators, what do you think are some of the reasons behind perpetrators becoming perpetrators? You know, what do you think are behaviors that 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 create these people or create the violence within a person? Um. Well. Yeah there's there that's yeah that's a that's a loaded question there's a lot you know there's a lot of different things and i think uh, mm -hmm. and it's it's tough to answer honestly because uh it's mm -hmm. a case by case basis too like when you talk about perpetrators you know i think it's the biggest thing to understand is that a perpetrator doesn't really stick out like a sore thumb all the time you know most times you know they're completely normal right a lot of times they're completely normal they're people you might even be related to as sick as it sounds right um but i also think so when you talk about like I, I can I can sit there and say you know narcissism people you know narcissists they you know it has a lot to do with it but it, it honestly goes even further than that because I think people who are narcissists of course it stems from something much deeper maybe a childhood uh, trauma and stuff like that and it just gets escalated and escalated or there's frustration and anxiety and then at that point you just need a point you need a place to express that right and uh, as as wrong as it is you know and we do have to express our emotions right if we don't and we suppress it then that's how we that's how we start to um create diseases within our within our within ourselves right so uh the same thing uh, is true for people like this sadistic people narcissists uh, toxic people you know whatever they have an energy inside of them that they need to express and unfortunately they express it onto somebody else at the cost of somebody else's life right um so whether it's just a sexual advance, whether it's full on rape, whether it's murder or whatever, you know, um, even if it's just a simple sexual advance, you know, you, you think like 30 seconds of you playing around with a girl, you know, and objectifying her and putting your pleasure in, fr in front of her discomfort, you know, you think that's just a 30 second thing, but it's not, that's going to ruin her for the rest of her life. You know, it's, it's something she's always going to think about, you know, it's not just a 30 second thing for you, it is right. And, um, but I think the biggest thing too, is uh, when it comes to what triggers people like that. So we've explained that, you know, there are certain traits that, you know, can build up and they need to express it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's also the way that we uh, victim blame first and foremost when situations like this happen. You know, I think that's a big trigger to these types of people, if that makes any sense. Um, so for me, it's always been interesting when things like this happen, of course, with, especially with rape, you know, and people are like, oh, the first, the first question is, well, what, were, what was she doing, right? And, and that's so awful. I, I, God, I, I really hate that. You know, what was she doing? And it's like, we, we excuse the, we excuse the dominant force, which is a man or the perpetrator. I'm not even going to say just man, but it, it, 
perpetrator in general, we completely excuse them and we put it onto the victim and say, well, what were you doing? Why, why, why was she wearing that? Why was she even with him? Mm. Why, why were you at the grocery store with the skirt on? Like, are you, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. You know, I, I once had a conversation with somebody um, and they said to me that South African women, especially, they, they wouldn't be in danger from men if they just learn to protect themselves. And I just thought to myself, what about children? Because, I mean, you still hear of cases where a, a baby got raped. And right. then what, what is the excuse with that then? How are you going to say, no, the baby should have should have protected her, him or herself right, against right. Yeah, no. a grown an adult? No. You know, so it's it's very disturbing to see that a lot of the time we, we, we do shift the blame mm-hmm. onto the victim. You know, even... And it's it's out of their control. It, it's irrelevant what they're wearing. It's irrelevant right. what they were doing. Oh yeah, no, it has nothing to do with them. Yeah, we have the most, I think, gruesome cases here that pop up in the media. Um, you know, where I think last year uh, where it spiked a lot of marches was a girl went to the post office mm-hmm. and never made it back. And in her, in the, in the memorial service her mother said to her i'm sorry that i warned you about everywhere except the post office wow and for me i find that very disturbing because what what, how can you then blame her for going to the post office you know so um i do understand with with saying that the you know blame victim blaming is one of the the triggers for this type of behavior because it, it it implies that we we condone it and it's actually okay right right exactly and i think uh honestly the culture that we've built of silence is what gives these people power right it gives it that's what triggers them i mean honestly i mean if i if i know that i can get away with something that i fantasize about i'm probably going to partake in it right um because like i said we all have weird fantasies some are good some are bad and you know it's like i you know i this is probably a really stupid example uh but grand theft auto the game grand theft auto you know you can drive around and literally run over people and all these other things and it's and it's fun and it's great at the time sure uh but you know you can't do that in real life right uh but but you can't say that it doesn't become a fantasy you know not not saying this is obsessed about all the time but you can't say it doesn't become a fantasy because you had a great time doing it on the video game right Right. But you know that you can't do that in real life. So now now we have friction. Not, and, not, and, 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 and this is to an extreme case when you talk about uh, perpetrators, of course, but it can happen that way. Right. Um, so I think it's I think the silence that we've built, the culture of silence that we've built uh, globally is a huge trigger, too, because, like you said, uh, the victims, they know that. Well, I hate to say they know, but they understand mm-hmm. that if they do come out and say something that it's it, they're going to be you know in danger uh, right they're going to be in danger of just backlash right um just in yeah. general and they're they're not going to feel heard uh they don't feel like they're getting taken seriously a lot of times uh people try to even say like are you sure that's what he did or you know like they, they mm-hmm. question you you know and it's like okay yeah no that's not what he did i'm just making this up or you know like it's, it's just yeah. so asinine um but as far as the trigger is concerned i think that's a really important one uh to address because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not um something that happened with the perpetrator in you know in general like uh there's yeah. no there's no same i, I you know I've, I've i've actually thought about it and i'm just like i i really it's a case-by-case thing and like i said because mm. they're they're mostly normal you can't really say oh this is probably why or this is probably why mm. you don't know i think i think it's just a global thing and it's just something it's our paradigm really this is just how we operate 
So a lot of times with your paradigm, your paradigm is just nothing but, you know, a habits. It's your habits. It's what you do every day. And your habits, your, what our habits actually control us. So because that most of us are, you know, we're raised in a, in a world where we're all programmed for the most part, our paradigm is programmed as well. You know, so these are just our habits. So when it comes to saying, what do you think happened with this person? I'm like, well, I'm not, I don't think it's anything that has to do with this person in particular, because obviously it is a global thing. And it's because being like being programmed and things like that with media, with uh, how we handle situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, develops our paradigm and then we just follow it. So I don't, I'm not sure if there's an actual specific reason. I hear you. Um, but what do you think we can do to address some of the, the more prominent triggers, like you're saying, uh, the victim blaming? What do you think uh, as people, you know, individuals outside of what the, the state can do, what our government can do, officials and all of that, what can people as individuals do to, you know, address it in a sense where we, we we reinforce how wrong you know any type of violence is mm, yeah mm. i think it's um i think it's 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 breaking the silence right mm. and i when i say breaking the silence i mean in conversation amongst your own friends and family right um mm. so for instance if there's if there's a bunch of guys hanging out having a party or something like that at somebody's house and somebody says something that's either demeaning or degrading to a woman just in general right mm. um the other person has to say something about it. You guys say, Hey man, look, that's, that's not funny. Like that's not, that's not mm -hmm. cool. Like that you could, you could, you're literally talking about your own mother or you're talking about your own sister or you're talking about my sister. And if somebody was talking like that about my sister, that's not a joke to me. So let it just not be a joke. Mm -hmm. Right. And you create, and what happens is you create this awkwardness, right? Of course, obviously mm -hmm. everybody understands that that's what would happen, which is a lot of times why people yeah. don't say anything. Uh, but you have to be okay with creating that awkwardness if you want it to stop. And I think, um, I think to go back just a little bit, talking about how mm -hmm. gender-based violence and even, like I said, even Black Lives is a, it, it's treated like a private matter where people don't, mm. people don't want to touch it, right? Um, and this mm. is, this is one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons why. So, but I think when situations like that happen, you know, you just have to say like, hey man, that's not, no, that's not cool and create that awkwardness and, and live in it and, and sit in it for a little bit. Right? Mm. Get comfortable in it and, and let people tell you to calm down and you can tell them, no, I can't calm down. Like, that's not cool. Dude, would you, how would you feel? Right. And put in, and mm -hmm. force them to empathize. Right. Um, and I think doing that on a consistent basis, right. And just, mm -hmm. just having the guts to do that, because I, like I said, it's, things are treated like a private matter, but with yourself, you can treat it privately too, if you want to. And I think that's a way you can do that. If you don't want to be out in the public trying to change the world. Right. Um, you, you can, that's how you can do it privately. So it's, so it, I think that, I think that lowers the status. You know, because I think a lot of times, you know, like I said, men talk about women in a certain fashion and they think it's funny and they think it makes them look cool. And there's a certain status with that. And even if you do something to another woman trying to dominate her and, you know, it's, it's cowardly, but you, you do that to make yourself feel good. A lot of men are like that. We're like, oh, I got to feel like a man. You know what I mean? Um, so this is what I have to do. I have to dominate those who are weaker than me or dominate those who are, you know, um, mentally weaker than me or whatever the case is. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but I, and then they, they, they talk about it to the other man. Now, either it's, it's enabled by silence or they do get a high five from it. Right. Uh, so I, so, and it built, so it built a status within them. And I think what we need to start doing is lowering the status by saying like, Hey, like stomping on it. The moment it, the moment it comes up in a topic in any fashion. I think you're right. And I think a lot of it also comes from, you know, patriarchy and 
mm. still living in a in a world where patriarchy is still very prominent and obviously to the advantage of a man so you're right a lot of the time right. the, it's men thinking that they are above women and they can you know mm. sort of get away with anything when it comes to a woman whether it's how you speak about women or what you do to a woman right um so i think I, I you're right i think addressing it in in firstly small groups um because i know a lot of people don't want to take accountability of being an activist and going and you know right. screaming out to the public saying this is wrong they would rather right. just be hush about it but uh, the the small conversations you never mm-hmm. know how far they could go and you, especially like exactly. because you never know when a perpetrator might be somebody who's related to you, might be your friend, your neighbor, or somebody right. very close to you that you never might have suspected. But your silence could be val- validation, right? Because you, because someone can say something degrading, like in a in a family function, or, or maybe it's just guys, or even in a family function, and that could that easily could be the perpetrator. And he's like, oh yeah, women, blah blah blah, or women do these things to themselves, and you're like, hold on, wait, what? Hmm. You know, and if you don't if you don't combat it, then you're you're valid. They they could be literally seeking validation just in silence, right? Hmm. Um, so that's why it's an, another reason, like, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it's important uh, to bring it up for a lot of different reasons because you could be talking to one. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And then going back to, you know, the the, the point of rehabilitation, um, especially for perpetrators, like you said, they too many, we don't want to spend money, um, you know, rehabilitating perpetrators especially even if they're in prison, you know, it's sort of like now they're arrested, so they must stay there and rot or whatever. We don't really care what happens to them. What do you think should be the steps that we are taking? I think, especially from a justice system perspective, what do you think should be happening when it comes to the rehabilitation of perpetrators? Um, that's tough. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Well, let me, let me say that. Let me back up. Cause I'm thinking about South Africa and the things that are happening out there right now. So my, my, my stance on what to do with people who are doing the things, the disgusting things that they're doing out there. I'm not really sure that there is, you know, a helpful way to rehabilitate those people. You know, that's, that's, that goes all the way down to just inhumane, right? That's just completely sadistic and, and to, and I like to think of it as when you, when you do these kinds of things, uh, whether it's to women or whatever, you're just doing something wrong in general. You could just be cheating on your wife or your husband, right? There's a process that you have to go through, a mental process, okay? And, and every step that you get in that process, you have to make a decision to keep going, to get to the next level, right? And so when I think about <clears throat> just people doing things wrong in general, but especially what's happening in South Africa, uh, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really sure because you've made a decision at each step of the way, right? So like I saw, I, I saw um, there was a woman um, out there uh, who was hung and she was pregnant, right? She was a pregnant woman and somebody hung her. And I'm just like, holy shoot, like that's, there's no rehabilitation, like I, this, and I'm sorry if it, if it comes off um, harsh, I like, but there is no rehabilitation for somebody like that. That's 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 just straight up like so to see a woman to see a pregnant woman and your thought process is like all right i'm gonna go attack her right that's already a level that's that needs to be that needs to be rehabilitated right but then you you go up about 13 15 000 levels after that after you have that just that thought of like i'm wanna i want to attack this woman now you're like okay now i'm gonna grab her now now she's fighting me okay am i gonna just let her go or i'm gonna dominate her oh, i'm a dominator okay 
you're making those decisions every single time. Oh, now, now you're hanging. It's like you're doing all of this and, and you're going through these steps. And I'm not really sure uh, what there is to do besides, you know, <laughs> sing these type of people a lullaby and put them to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but when it comes to uh, people who, which is crazy to say, but people who, are, who do less things, uh, lighter things, uh, yeah, sure. I think there can be, uh, I think there can be real rehabilitation. Cause I, I think, uh, of course, psychology, uh, is, is, is powerful and, and projection is also very powerful. And I think in a way, you know, with people who have trouble, um, people who have trouble wanting to dominate other people or have, or hit other women or create sexual advances or something like that, you know, I'm not sure we can touch it all in, in, in this, in this conversation, but I think there's a way of projection where you can just kind of project the psychology of them, right. Of what they're doing onto them. Right. And, and make, and kind of make them mirror uh, their thought process. Ah, okay. Okay. And then I wanted to ask you, what do you think? I know you said most of the time you think that there, there isn't much to do with, you know, people that have already done all these gruesome acts but what do you think we can be teaching our children you know especially from a very young age because children are the most impressionable and you know what do you think we can teach them so that they do not become these people what do you think we should be teaching children in school young adults you know growing up in a country or in a world where this is happening on a regular but teach them not to become these people Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I, I think it's really just teaching your kids respect for for all, right? And teaching them that everyone is equal and there's no difference between boys and girls. There's no difference between any of us, right? Color, size, or anything like that. And I think just the matter of respect should be talked about just as much as we talk about sex, or just as much as we talk about the the importance of working hard. You know, um, it needs to it needs to be reiterated. And I think another thing, and it coincides with that, especially in what's going on today, is uh, we need to stop ignoring the children as well and leaving them to entertain and ra- pretty much raise themselves, right? I think, um, you know, like even with, I know, uh, for instance, now it's it's easy to give your kids iPads and then just kind of, you know, that's a, that's an assurance that you will get some silence, right? And you'll yeah. be able to kind of do your own thing. Just give the kid the iPad, but then the, what, what happens when the kid gets the iPad? He goes straight to YouTube, right? Mm. And only God knows. Mm. Uh, what YouTube will lead you to, right? And that's no, that's no knock. <laughs> that's no <laughs> knock on YouTube, but that's just the way it goes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and kids know exactly what they what they want and what they're doing, you know. Um, and I think there's just way too much influence on the internet already. Even if you are careful about what you expose your kids to, even if you're not ignoring them, mm-hmm. but to have them explore the land of the internet and the media and the world on their own, I mean. Yeah. You know, you're you're asking for your child to be influenced in a way where it might be actually difficult once you get to a, a situation where something actually does arise and you try to talk to your kid about it. He might be already too set in his ways for you to change him with just one conversation or mm. her. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Um, well, for me, those, those were like my main points. Do you have any other thoughts, you know, on this topic specifically that you think um we should touch on now i know we can't speak about every single thing because this is a very jam-packed topic like you said right yeah no for sure (laughs) um you have any closing points that you think are very important for us to touch on or you know just information that you think people should know or 
just things that people should start doing and you know taking a stand no matter how small they are even if it's not like on a public platform like i said not everybody wants to go and be a you know well-known um activist right yeah i think uh i think it's it's we need to start like i said just forcing the matter as far as communication is concerned uh because the dominant dominant groups as far as you know like like i said uh, with black lives and you said the dominant group would be white 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 people right and then uh, for gender-based violence the dominant group would be uh men so of course there are some particulars in the you know in the mix where you know women are the perpetrators and stuff like that but the dominant party is the men and, and, and the white people on that side and uh and i think we need to understand that it's their issue right it's it this is it's a man's issue it's a white person's issue and and it's and it's unfortunate that these dominant groups just completely get eradicated from the subject right and this is we we dismiss them very quickly when things like this happen you know if a, if a person if a woman gets raped you know we say oh this man raped this woman that's the story at first but then it, the man quickly drops off from that conversation right it's all about like you said it's all about what the woman was doing and then it's all about oh this woman was raped right and then it's this woman is a battered woman or this woman is this or this black person is that you know and the dominant party gets um like i said dismissed from the conversation which is why they really lack a level of introspection because they're rarely challenged by these uh these topics so i think it's that's the important part is to make you know challenge them right ask them what the issue is because we don't know it's not our issue right we're not the initiators you know so it's so it's ironic that you know women and women have done an amazing job and black people have done an amazing job at trying to create awareness and trying to get justice and you know and, and make our presence known and um I, so it, it's it's but it's but it's also ironic that you know we're trying to figure it out you know like you're you're asking me now like what's you know what's the what do you think is the psychology like what's happening in their minds it's like why it's tough <laughs> you know it's, it's not our issue but we're the ones who are trying to figure it out right the women are trying to figure it out the black people are trying to figure it out but we're not the initiators so how are we supposed like where do we even start we're guessing we're working in a smoke screen right um, we're just trying to navigate um in a cloud because we don't really know what happened here um but i think it's but uh, nonetheless i think it's great and i just think like i said i think the answer to to both those things are conversation and 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 challenging the dominant party mm. by any means necessary no definitely definitely i think the biggest takeaway points for me here are you know we we need to learn to do something and i mean all of us not just women and not just black women um we 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 need to be having these conversations in our friend groups we need to co be calling out our own friends who you know are, are are very problematic but don't seem to think that they are problematic because we leave a lot of things slide especially when we're younger and we don't really completely understand things but i think you know we we you're right we need to start being more active in children's lives as well so that they're aware of these things while they grow up and realize that this is right you know these right. are things that they need to call out even in their own friends you know i know especially for kids let's say teenagers they let a lot of things slide and it, you when right. you look back and think about when you were in high school and you think you know these things were happening right here but we didn't know what to say about them so right. we always exactly. kept quiet and you know moved on with our lives but then you look yeah, back that continues, and think, on, that continues on as we're mm -hmm. as we're adults because i mean even people now don't know what to do about it mm -hmm. right i mean if you see a house on fire you know what to do you know what to, you know you mm -hmm. know to call 911 right mm -hmm. if you see the dog that's not on the leash and he's just kind of wandering you know to check his his leash and then call the number mm -hmm. and try to find the owner 
But when it comes to situations like this, like gender-based violence or, or, or black lives, it's like, we don't know, no one knows what to do. And it, and it starts, it, you're right, you're absolutely right. It does start when we're kids because kids go through these kinds of stages, even, even with their friends and they don't say anything to their parents. They don't say anything to anybody because they feel uncomfortable and they haven't been taught what to do, but we need to push that. We need to challenge that. And like I said, force, uh, force the conversation. Um, and, uh, and, and I think in that way, as we get older, like I said, it won't, there won't be this, this veil of silence. There's this veil of silence because we're, we're ignorant. We don't, we don't know what to do. Right. And, um, and I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, uh, really, really important that, and I'm glad you brought the high school thing up. It's crazy because I was, uh, I was reading something a, a while back. I have no idea the source, but, um, it was just talking about, it was talking about silence, right. With, with, uh, violence and, um, sexual advances and men and women, things like that. And, uh, it was, it was the brother. Um, and he, uh, he was a younger, younger brother and his sister was a teenager. Right. And uh, she was, she had a boyfriend and apparently the little boy, the brother saw the sister like fighting with, uh, fighting with her boyfriend. And the sister swore him to secrecy, like, don't say anything, don't say anything to mom, don't say anything to dad or anything like that, right? And so he's like, all right, you know, he's like, okay. And uh, obviously, you know, um, the sister died, she got killed by her boyfriend, right? Oh it's goodness. just because it was just constant domestic violence and stuff like that. And it got to a point where he strangled the hell out of her oh and goodness. killed her, you know? And so the That's brother- Young gets, age. Right, exactly. So the brother who was probably like eight, nine, 10 years old, hmm knew that that had something to do with it right mm -hmm. he saw it right but he didn't mm -hmm. say anything so I, so he you know he talks about how he kind of felt responsible for that oh no because he didn't know what to do and you know as, as a child right so i think the guy i mean he's he's old uh, an adult now but yeah. it's like that's something that you carry with you so now they're both the victim the sister mm -hmm. and the brother are victims of this one person of this first, of this act mm -hmm. you know so that's why again it's important to talk to initiate the conversation mm -hmm. with your children uh, yes, it might be uncomfortable and, and you might feel like they're too young to, uh, and I think that's a big thing too. You, they, we feel like our kids are too young to be talking about this kind of things, but it's not, like I said, hmm. they'll get online, they'll get on the internet and they're going to find way more than what you think they know. Right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm not old enough to explore the internet on my own. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Let alone, let alone kids, you know, and kids are very absor absorbing, right? They're sponges. So if you don't do it, somebody else will. And that's, that's a bigger issue. No, that's that's very true. Oh my goodness, I'm I'm so stunned at that story. I I I do think I hope whoever listens to this, especially you know this episode, takes that away. Um, anybody who right. is feeling somewhat uncomfortable about initiating these types of conversations, I really do hope they do take that next step. You know, because you never know what it might change for somebody in the future. Right. You, you never know. And like I said, a lot of times, uh, like we mentioned before, it's like you could be talking to the perpetrator or, yeah. you know, um, and you could be serving them validation. And, and what we need to do is lower the status of this horrific, pervasive activity. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, Shay, I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, giving me the time of day, firstly. Um, thank you very much for for being willing to participate in this conversation. I know it's a very difficult one and a lot of people shy away from it. We we went through quite a few people, trust me, to try and find somebody who would be willing to even 
speak on the conversation, you know? And people were just like, no, I'm not comfortable talking about the perpetrator's perspective and their psychology. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you were willing to, to do this and give your perspective as well, and as well as like, you know, steps, because um, the reality is at the end of the day, we still need to do something about this. You know, even mm-hmm. if it's not the justice system doing every single right. thing about it, but people, and it's, it's, it's all, it all boils down to the conversations we have. I have a question for you. Uh, like I said, obviously, I don't live in South Africa, so I'm not really in the mix. Um, I'm just an outsider. What do you What do you think the underlying issues are? Sure. What do you in notice? South Africa, our issues are there's a lot of issues. I think right like for I, sure. Like I said, a lot of the things that's it's patriarchy, and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. A lot of our patriarchy here st- um, stems from tribalism and a lot of the things within culture. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the man is the head of the house. So you do not do anything right. as a woman to disrespect him. Um, you know, as a woman, you need to be very modest. You need to listen to what the man says. And <laughs> I think very traditional systems that we have here that we're obviously breaking away with over time. Well, some areas are still very traditional, but we right. stuck with a a group of people or men who still feel that no i i'm a man therefore the woman needs to listen to me and whatever i demand from a woman she needs to give to me whether it be me telling her to make me a meal or to give me whatever i want sexually right it's a it's it's a yeah it's a it's a it really is a jam-packed you know thing but um i do believe that a lot of our issues stem from the fact that we we're not teaching um people how to dismantle patriarchy and why patriarchy doesn't even benefit women we're still mm-hmm. fighting the fight where women are not seen as equals to men women cannot, right. cannot dress however they want women are not liberated in, with their bodies because we still are shaming women for dressing however they want we still are saying right. hmm, she drives a fancy car it must be because of a man in her life Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I absolutely, (laughs) I I absolutely hate that as well. And I, I, I've always hated to like, um, just how, you know, Mm. women just cater, just the catering notion that we should have to, uh, to men. Right. And Mm. it's like, for what, Mm. (laughs) you know, why, right. Like what, what is so different about a man to where I need to, you know, cater to his BS. Mm right? Or, or just cater to him in general, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, you're going to cater to your loved one either way. I mean, a, wom- a man should be catering to their woman too, right? Mm-hmm. In, in all aspects, you should exactly. be supporting her dreams. You should be cooking for her. You should be doing all these other things, making sure that she feels like a woman, right? Just as much as you want her to make you feel like a man. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this catering thing came from, but that's, that's, definitely, um, that's definitely a part of our paradigm of how, how we act right and how, how women are supposed to be submissive. The man's supposed to be dominant. And, you know, like I said, when you um, when you are a man and you already, this is, this is how things operate, you know, in, in the world. Um, and then you already have these traits of, you know, where you need to bolster your ego and things like that. Then it's like, all right, well, this is why, this is kind of why I feel entitled to women. Right. And then, you know, you, um, even like looking at, at the media and how we objectify women and then how accepting women seem about it, you know, and, and it's like, 
a developing mind doesn't is not able to distinguish distinguish what's okay and what's not mm -hmm. right they just see it they see it and they don't hear anything else about it and so if they're if they're already egotistical and they grow up wanting to feel like a man right and that's what we we promote that as well like a man needs to be doing this and this and that exactly All right well like i said to a developing mind you don't know how people are interpreting that and, and and absorbing that so if they get older and they get a little too egotistical and become like i said like nar narcissist types mm. and nar develop narcissist traits that's triggering, right? Mm. It's like, okay, well, that's that's what makes me feel entitled to you. This is what I've this is what I've learned, exactly. um, that's right? So, uh, but, you know, a young age, and that's why I I, um, I was sure to include the question about children because if a child grows up seeing, you know, what I've described of a man saying that he's the head of the house no matter what he does, and mm. a woman must obey to that. As a child, you're gonna say, "Oh, this is how relationships work," and that means that's what right. I'm gonna look for. Exactly. I'll look for a wife eventually one day, you know. Right? Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. I, uh, um, I actually, it's, it's pretty funny. I dated, I, I dated someone before, and they're they actually hated the way their parents, uh, their relate, the parent, the relationship between their parents. It was just like mom and dad didn't they really didn't talk to each other you know you would think they were strangers like they didn't they they wouldn't spend time together in the house you know dad would be in his office mom would always be in the living room the only time you really see them interacting with each other is when they're out with you know family and friends and they have to take pictures and you know act like husband and wife uh yeah and they they hated that and but you know it's so funny because we broke up because our relationship was kind of heading in that direction of their mother and father and it's it's so it's so ironic but that was honestly that was a big reason that because it because of what that was turning into and so like you said you know when you talk about kids they're absorbing this and it becomes a part of their paradigm like you know you, they don't think about it it just becomes who they are yeah. right so there there might not be any specific reason like oh they're acting outside of character no they're that this is just what they've been taught okay. right and so this is just a part of who they are they're not doing anything out of character definitely right? definitely and again, it, it all boils down to what are we teaching our kids and what are we exposing right. our, our children to? So, uh, I mean, it, we could open another conversation on that. <laughs> no, I think, I think we, we've hit enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for the sake of, you know, staying within topic as well. Um, right, exactly, exactly. Close by saying thank you again. And, you know, sure. I, I really look forward to as well engaging with you further beyond just this conversation about the work you do um, and how we can possibly even collaborate because you never know, you know, how right. we can spread this across a global scale. I, I do think. Oh, yeah, for sure. That the issues we are speaking about are not specific to a country or a region and, you know, they need to be addressed no matter where we are. So once again, thank you so much for, for joining me. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you. And I look well, forward fun to is probably not the right word, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, it was interesting. Great, I'll say that. Yeah. It really was a great conversation to engage in and it was important. So sure. I'm I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much.